Do you have an unexpected story to tell or know someone who does? We'd love to have you on the pod. Please apply at please don't tell anyone pod at gmail.com or follow our application link in bio of our Instagram, please don't tell anyone pod or TikTok account. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go on blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand, just like you. My secret is that I got adopted when I was 16, and I was in foster care. It was really, really rough. It was hard, but not a lot of people expect that from me. So yeah. How old were you when you were put in the foster care? I was about like 14 and I wasn't it when I was younger too but then all this drama in my family started happening my siblings and me we all got separated and so I got adopted with my younger sister I have a twin didn't get adopted so that's a lot yeah but you did get adopted? I did when I was 16 yeah very weird age to get adopted do you like your parents adopted? they're pretty amazing wow they're really great Don't tell anyone, I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell said, please don't tell anyone. I'm just glad that we're getting to do this because your video has done so well. Oh my god, I saw it. Has that yeah. been what's that been like to watch? I just thought there was like so many unanswered questions yeah. and like I wanted to correct a lot of those. Yeah, I wanted you to <laughs> as well. And I also have a million questions. That's the thing about I, that series is it's just like so on the fly and quick. There are so many videos that then get so many follow-up questions and I'm just like, I don't I don't have answers to them. And that's why I'm so glad that we exchanged contact info. Honestly, it's insane because I know the internet is crazy, but like people jump to conclusions so fast. And that's when I'm excited to do this. So I can actually, you know, share how the actual experience is and fix those misconceptions. Okay, let's do it. Your submission was that you were in foster care and you Mm -hmm. were adopted at 16 and the big thing in the submission that I think got people was that you had a twin and that there became this, like, as you were kind of saying in the comments, like this, what's, what about the twin and everything mm-hmm. like that. But let's start from the beginning of your story. And why don't you just tell us how you grew up? Yeah, honestly, there's so much more to the story than just my twin. So I guess in the beginning, I originally grew up with just my mom and my three other siblings and my stepdad. Okay. I'm from Oregon. And so then around seventh to eighth grade, they started to get a divorce. And of course I was young, so I wasn't really aware what was going on. But uh, my understanding is that my mom was getting into drugs. And even growing up, even before foster care, I had like a really rough upbringing. We didn't have a lot of money and I wouldn't say I had the best parents either. So it was very stressful. But Basically, they got a divorce, and so me, my twin, and my younger sister went to live with my mom, and, like, it's in a building where it's for rehabilitation, so she was supposed to be getting better. She was recovering, and then my little brother, who's technically my half-brother, stayed with my dad. How old were you yeah. at this point? I was, I was 13. See, I had already been kind of moving around, so when all these issues were happening, I lived with my godmother for, you know, like a summer, and then my grandparents, so... Honestly, I have like a bit of brain fog when it comes to the story because it's so complicated. It's a lot of trauma too, it sounds like. Yeah, it it was a Um, lot. You had insinuated that 
the thought was that your mom had started using drugs and then we kind of jumped ahead to you were at this rehab facility so she did end up using so drugs. yeah it was like a regular apartment and uh they help you to you know get better i guess and that wasn't the case uh she actually ended up getting uh, a really bad boyfriend and so i guess the story basically starts when i graduated eighth grade it was a new town also i graduated eighth grade and that week I decided to go meet one of my friends who I actually met on Instagram. I was gonna stay like a week with her, a week or two, and she lived two hours away. So somehow I ended up going to her place and when the time came I was supposed to be picked up, uh, my mom like had disappeared. So my mom actually went missing for an entire year and I didn't know where she was. No way. This, yeah, this is where it starts, yeah. Wait. Literally, yeah, I know, I know. So your mom went missing for an entire year and you didn't know yep. where she was. Did the rest of the world know where she was? All I knew is that she was in California, possibly. No okay, one so really knew. so there wasn't like a missing p person's poster that was up. It wasn't like foul play that they thought. It was like she no. chose to leave. Yeah. And I actually found out what happened like years later. But for like the time being, I just thought, okay, she just left. Okay, so we'll put a pin in that. Oh, by the yeah, way, I'm just yeah. this at the beginning. If I ask you anything that makes you uncomfortable, or just set your boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Like, again, mm -hmm. this is where you can totally say I'm not going to answer that or whatever. I'm just going to ask what I think a listener would want to know. Yeah, definitely. Like, I honestly, not a lot of people know about this. So it's like, I don't really talk about this. So even like recalling what happened, it's something I don't ever think about. Really? So, have, have you been in therapy for any of this stuff? You know, I, I actually haven't. I... Uh, I kind of digested everything myself, and I've like I've turned out really great. But I could definitely benefit from therapy. Yeah, therapy's um, pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, so your mom disappears, and you're at a friend's house. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so she disappears. So that's the crazy thing. My siblings, they were back at home. So this is when we all started to get separated because I was two hours away. I didn't know what was happening. I was actually the last one with any news. I didn't know that she left. I didn't know where my siblings were. But basically, I was told that she was gone. I don't remember how, maybe CPS, like Child Protective Services, ended up coming to my friend's house. I don't know how they found me. But anyways, what I wanted was to stay with them. And so the mom, she was actually really sweet. I ended up living with them as I started high school. So wow. only, only for about three months. I went to four high schools. Wow. But basically, yeah, I lived with them. And I didn't really know where my siblings were. They were in different places. And the issue is I really wanted to live with my stepdad, who I considered like my real dad, to live with my little brother. But the the government wouldn't let me. Did your stepdad try to get you yeah, he, in custody and it just wasn't? Yeah, he wanted me to live with him and it didn't make sense that I wasn't allowed to because he had practically raised me. But my twin and him, they did not get along. So there was a lot of accusations towards each other and just that alone prevented me from being able to go there. Did you and your twin get along at this point? My twin and me were fine. We were never close, honestly, because I grew up in such like a chaotic environment. I feel like we were all trying to, you know, like survive in our own ways. So like my younger siblings and me, like I was the oldest. So I always felt like I was trying to parent. Even though I have a twin, my twin, a little backstory. My twin has this condition called Ehlers-Danlos. And so I guess you could describe him as like he was the less healthy twin. And so his skin tore like growing up. Uh, we had to get go to the hospital and get stitches like thousands of times. So that was another issue. I didn't realize that your twin was a boy too. I guess that had been 
mm-hmm. not glazed over, but I think the assumption was that it was a girl. I don't know why. That's the crazy thing. Well, it was my assumption too, so I don't know why either. That's very I know. odd. Okay, so your your twin has would you call it a disability or a It's a like a disorder, illness? a genetic disorder. And so it's wow. called Ehlers Stanlos. Okay. So yeah. so you have two brothers and you're the only girl? So let me give you it's me, my twin brother, and my younger sister. She's two years younger. She's eighteen right now. And then my little brother who is about 14 right now so two brothers okay. and a sister so at the time you're living with a friend where's mm-hmm. your little sister so she was actually with a friend of my mom's boyfriend someone that we had met before she disappeared and um that was also not a good situation mm-hmm. um my twin was actually missing also for the last few years he just lived on the streets um Kind of by choice, you know, I don't really know. I've invited him many times to come live with me. There was at one point, so when I got adopted, I know everyone in the comments was really mad because they were like, how can you leave the twin behind? And my twin was supposed to be adopted by a family that was way more suitable for him, but that fell through. And so he kind of just ended up doing his own thing, going throughout the streets or whatever he does. And yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll get there. Let's let's back yeah. up. I know there's a lot. There's so much, but it's so interesting and I'm just so grateful that you're sharing it. So, all right, your mom disappears. You're living at this friend's house. You jump Mm -hmm. to four different high schools. When does foster care start? Okay, so yeah, I lived with a friend for about three months and then I decided, oh, I really want to live with my stepdad. And so the mom was like, yeah, why don't they let you live with him? She decided to drop me off with him. And so we did that. But guess what? My dad couldn't enroll me in high school because he technically wasn't my guardian. And so I think we kind of realized there, okay. So then I got picked up from there by I have a, a caseworker and I got taken to my first foster home. And it was in like a small town um, called Willamina. And it's very country, very different for me. And my sister joined me there. They took her away from the friend that was fostering her, but we knew her previously. Okay. So were you both upset to be in this situation or were you happy to be together or was it all just kind of chaotic? We we did not get along then at the time. Like now, now we're okay, but I think it didn't feel like I had, you know, someone with me like to support me or anything. If I think we very much okay. did it alone, which is unfortunate, but we handled the trauma very differently. So my sister, she mem- she remembers everything that happened, everything, whereas me, I feel like I kind of blocked it out. I have a lot of memory gaps, unfortunately. So it's kind of like, I don't remember so much that happens. Yeah. And so like the fact that we processed it so much differently, it just kind of made us go further apart. I feel like, Mm. yeah. Okay. So you get to this first foster house, paint a picture for us. What's that like? Honestly, for being my first foster home, they were, they were amazing. They were really sweet. But the thing is, it was like in the middle of nowhere in the country, you know, they actually had horses. They had horses, they had dogs. I wouldn't say it's really hard in foster care because you go to so many different homes and they're different types. Like I've lived on the beach in the country, the city. And like, as a kid, you're supposed to have stability, right? It was really hard because I wouldn't consider myself a country person. I went literally at the first high school. It was one hallway. There was about 30 students, but yeah, they were really, they were really nice. They also had a daughter who became our friend. She was my age. But what happened was they were downsizing their house. So, you know, we had to go. Mm. Yeah. 
it's really just that simple. It was like it was literally that simple. And wow. honestly, it's crazy because when I was there, I mean, I consider myself pretty fortunate, but I met another girl there, a teenage girl, and she was there because she had been with, uh, she was like 16 or something, and she had been with that older guy when she was a minor, and he got arrested in jail. And I would say it was just so weird to see how someone else in foster care, their life path is very different. Experience. So how many kids are usually in a foster home together from your experience? Most of the ones I went to, they didn't have like other kids. They had their own kids. So like there, yeah, there they had two kids and they had like a little foster toddler who was really cute. But other than that, they didn't really have too many. The second one, they only had two daughters. So did your sister go with you to that one or no? She went with me there also. But your brothers weren't with you. Yep. He was still in my life. Wow. Yeah. I know. Okay, so the second home, what's that like? So the second home, it was actually on the beach with a doctor, and she had two daughters, older daughters, and this was for the summer. But it, it was not it was not fun. Basically, we were the first kids she had ever fostered, and mm-hmm. I think she wanted to keep us. She like was under the impression that because we were with her, we were going to stay with her forever. And I think she just thought she was a really good person because she was helping us if that makes sense. But, like, she probably 100%. saw us as, like, damaged goods, but it was really just, yeah, like... Yeah, it was, like, a savior you know, complex. Exactly. And basically, she would make us get up at 7 a.m., you know, start chores. She would not let us sleep in. And like I said, the whole stability thing, it's hard going to places where they all have different rules, and you have to, like, yeah. adapt to that each place. Like, And at the time, when I was, you know, 14 to 16, I felt, like, so independent. I felt like none of these adults know what they're talking about. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Why would you trust them? I get it. I mean, yeah. Also, it's one thing for this woman to give you stability, like structure. Mm-hmm. But then to know that you're not going to stay there, why even do that structure? You know, if she'd adopted you and said, like, this is the structure you're going like, to be by for the next, you know, until you're 18. That's one thing. But that wasn't this. Yeah, I think she just assumed that she could just adopt us. But that's really up to us, you know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that. So it it's up to the kids? It actually is. So wow. I chose to be adopted after maybe a year in foster care. For a long time, I was unsure. I just wanted to age out and go through like okay. uh, an, an assistance program. So I never expected to be adopted, seriously. So we're at house number two. What okay. makes you guys leave house number two? Okay, so I think she was just, she was a really uncomfortable person. Uh, I'm sure she was doing it for a good reason. But basically, let me think where it went wrong. We just hated living there. (laughs) And so my sister and me, I don't even know if we had like a real phone at the time. We maybe had like a really crap like Android or something. We're calling my caseworker like, get us out of here, get us out of here. And the issue was there's like a shortage of homes. So there's really nowhere for us to go. Actually, at one point, my caseworker told us that there's no homes. And so kids were being put in hotel rooms and the caseworkers would do shifts. That's how little options there were. So the fact that we had a place, we were, like, fortunate. But basically, finally, finally, she gets back to us. She's like, okay, I can get you now. She shows up in her van. We start packing. We did not even tell this woman. She's she's a scary woman, by the way. We start packing. She gets there, my caseworker. And, you know, we start filling up the van. And she's not happy because she thinks we're going to stay there. Basically... When we were there, she had bought us some clothes, right? And when you're in foster care, you have, like, a bill of rights, basically, right? You know, if someone buys you something, it's yours, you know? Mm -hmm. They can't just take it back. Like, that'd be so traumatic for a child. What are some other things on the bill of rights? 
I think, you know, religion, you can go to church if you want to. Um, I honestly don't remember the other ones, but I feel like it's kind of hard to enforce, right? Because parents just yeah. all want to do their own thing. But basically, we're packing in the van, and she she just goes crazy. Also, her 90-year-old mother was there. And so we're locked in the van. She is screaming from the outside that we're stealing her daughter's stuff, like all her clothes and stuff. When We didn't. We only had our own stuff. And she starts screaming that, you know, we're like thieves. Also, before I got in the van, I was already being screamed at by a 90-year-old woman that, you know, oh, I know you're no good. Just all these stereotypes. And I was taking the brunt of it because my little sister, you know, she's two years younger. I think she was probably like 12 or 13 at the time. I don't know. But they were taking it out on me. Anyways, we go to the van. They're locked out. They're screaming from the window, all these horrible things. And my caseworker is just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you shouldn't have to see this. Yeah. I'm trying not oh to cry. God. It's okay. You can cry. I mean, I want to cry listening to this. Holy shit. It's, you know, and I hear you say, like, 10 minutes ago, you were like, and I, I consider myself so fortunate. Like, how do you have such a positive <laughs> look on things? Uh, and the truth is, you've been through a lot of shit. I definitely have, but I always think things could be worse. Like, yeah, I've seen, like, I've seen a lot of stuff. And I think I'm very resilient, like, fortunately, but, you know, not everyone is. I, the reason I'm crying is, like, I just don't get how people can do that to, you know, like, <laughs> young kid. Like, you're a doctor and, and a 90-year-old woman, and you just, you know? And, yeah. yeah. So, that was pretty much that. We got taken away from there. I don't think she ever postured again. Definitely after that, right? Yeah, I would hope not. And then we actually got taken to, like, our third house which was like a little closer to our first home because the first two ones were very far, like just random places. But the third house we went to was actually a woman who I think had met us before, like a case, another caseworker or something. Mm -hmm. And so she decided because we were in like dire need, we were like, we want to get out of here. My caseworker found here and she decided to take us. Okay. And um, that also wasn't a fun situation. Really? Yeah. I was hoping um, that one was going to be positive because she was, like, in the know. I honestly think I was, like, I think that's when I hit, like, my most depressed or I don't How remember. I hit at this it. point? At that point, I was a sophomore in high school. So, like, yeah. 15 turning 16. I, I, was, I was 15. And so it was just, like, it just sucked to go to four high schools to never, like, be able to, you know, get my grades up. Because even when I went to my second high school, I would have to restart some classes because the systems are different. It was so frustrating. And I, I tried out so for, you know, I, yeah, I would do like cheer teams and then I would practice all summer and then I would move. I could never, you know, do anything. And I kind of gave up on trying to make long-term friend groups because just gonna move. I mean, the world was just, it. the world was failing you. Adults were it, failing you. The system was failing you. It really sucked. Like at the time, honestly, all I wanted to be was an adult. Like that's all I wanted. I wanted to be able to decide what to do with my life, which is, yeah. you know, what I do now, but... Okay, so you go to this third house. How far away are you from being adopted at this point? I mean, how many houses did so, you go to before you were adopted? Let's see. I Well, two. We were two away, actually. See, we weren't okay. even considering adoption yet until the third house. Because the what third made house... You start to consider it? Yeah. It was just... It was really uncomfortable. It was, you know, a family and they had a daughter. And I guess it was really passive-aggressive. It was another situation of, like, having to adapt... And mm -hmm. I just felt like I was walking on eggshells every single day. It was That's so uncomfortable. 
it was horrible and I I don't know the mom honestly she couldn't communicate she started to hate me and I was just, I can't do passive aggressive it's so uncomfortable and so I would go home after school you know just go to my bedroom and they would get upset because we didn't like want to hang out with them or we just wanted to watch tv and I'm like what do you what do you guys want me to do you know like I I don't know you guys <laughs> the dad actually had a heart attack when I was there and of course they're crying and I think they were very sweet but I felt like so numb at that time like my sister and me are just standing there because like you I watched this we... man have a heart attack I don't think we watched him I think we just watched them find out and they just all started bawling and my sister and me are here like like of course I feel bad but like you know, it's hard to display, like, those emotions. It's and like this... you're thrown into these families, and it's almost like they're expecting you to just fall in love with them and, like, fall in love with their life and their lifestyle versus the opposite of, like, nurturing the children that yeah. you guys are. That's pretty much what happened both, like, literally both times. It's weird. But then, basically, I could, I could not bear it anymore. I was like, okay, I'll be adopted. Uh, because there was also nowhere else to go. My caseworker's like, yeah, you literally have to stay here. Yeah. And so the process of adoption, basically they ask you everything that you want in a pair. Like you write it down. It's like you're writing to Santa, like literally what kind of pair you want. And they post that, what you're looking for, in a picture of you and your sibling on like an adoption website. It's private. No one else can just search it up. So and you and your sister were a package deal? I mean, I'm not sure if we were originally supposed to be, but that's how it ended up happening. Because okay. the people that adopted us said they were only originally looking for one person and they saw us and they got us both. It sounds Sorry. like you're shopping. Right? No, but it does clarify, I think in your initial video, everyone was talking about your twin because that was the only part given, but really yeah. there's this younger sister who you were packaged with that yeah that's very fortunate in itself and the fact that we got adopted at such like an old age what, what i consider an old age to be adopted is like actually i think very rare honestly yeah i would think that's very rare so you're 16 and what did you write in your list you know, of what you wanted from a parent i like someone that's you know caring creative but also gives me like autonomy to, you know be myself do what i want you know not overly strict like that nurturing thing that you said, which I felt like I had literally never had in a parent. Yeah. And my adoption parents, they they pretty much hit the mark. Like after I was wow. filled so many times through all, all these houses, I just thought, how could you possibly find like a house that I like fit into, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that was fortunate. You mm -hmm. write this application. How fast was the turnaround of them finding your parents? You know, I think it may have been like half a year. See, I don't quite remember because what happens is the people that wanted to adopt us, they know about us before we know about them. It's like a whole process. Basically, we okay. go on this website, say someone chooses us, and then I'm sure they have to go through all the screen, like the screening questions. But basically, what's crazy is we didn't know we were going to be adopted until we had a chosen family. They were like, you're getting adopted. It's not like, oh, do you like this family? Let's try it out. No, like, yeah, it's not like shopping around. Because the reason for that is they don't want to get the kids' hopes up. Like, they don't yeah. want to tell you, oh, you can get adopted. The family meets you and they change their minds. Yeah. And so how my caseworker told us is they, they sent us down. They gave us this entire book. And it was like everything about the family, where they travel, our bedrooms. They were like, you're going to have this room. We work here. Like, they seem so cool. All their pets, everything. Like, even written letters from all their families. And so it was like, it was so emotional. 
because they just seemed so perfect. After that, we were getting ready to meet them. At that point, do you know where your mom is? Had you heard from your biological mom? Also, I don't think so. The hard thing is when you're under 18, you don't really have a say if you get to talk to your, your parent or not. Really, it's up to, I think, you know, the caseworker. Because but she didn't, be... like, come running back, try to mm-hmm. wrangle up her kids. She was just no. gone. So, actually, I did end up seeing my my real biological dad, who I did not grow up with, and my mom, because they had to go to court to give up their rights for me to get adopted. I forgot about that. Isn't that insane? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so let's back up for a second. So, you and your sister get this book, and mm-hmm. then after that, you're being told you're going to meet these people. What was your first meeting with your soon-to-be parents like? So we ended up going to, I don't know if you know what Top Golf is, but we went to this mm-hmm. place called Top Golf, and they were just so sweet. I don't, I don't really remember how I felt, but the mom, well, my mom now, she worked at Nike, and so she had brought us, like, these Nike shoes. Like, I don't know, she just brought us gifts, and we just had a good time. And, like, honestly, my sister and me did not grow up with, you know, going to, like, restaurants or going, we, we never traveled, seriously. I had never been on a plane until I got adopted. It was just kind of insane, like something so little. Um, That's kind of when everything started happening. Do you still have the Nike shoes that she gave you? No, I don't think they're my favorite color. But, (laughs) well, no, after that, you know, we got like the Nike discount forever. So it's fine. Oh, nice swag. Yeah. (laughs) How old were they? How old were your parents when they adopted you? See, right now we're like 52. So probably like 48 or something like that. Yeah, pretty pretty average based on your age. Yeah, I was 16. Their their daughter was 18. She was getting ready to go to college and their other son was like like Oh, 24. so they have other children. They had two and the reasoning for adopting us was that they said they still had love to give. So Oh. I yeah. So I oh guess I, they just wanted more kids, yeah. How did those children feel about welcoming you and your sister? I mean, for their son it didn't really matter. He was already out of the house. Their daughter she was really sweet. I think she was excited to have sisters, but honestly, it was a really rough like transition, especially for sure. my sister. So like, it's a bit of a strained relationship there. And yeah, her, her and me are starting to get closer, but now that I'm a little bit older and I'm out of like that survival like situation, because it seriously takes a few years after even after you get adopted, you're like, oh wow, like my Should mind. I trust just- this, yeah. Yeah, and now I kind of reflect on it, and I wish I did things differently. Because when you consider it from her perspective, their daughter, you're like, that must be so insane to just get two new sisters, you know? And, like, we were going through all our stuff at the time, but I can imagine how insane that was. So it's just an interesting, like, perspective to consider, you know? Of course. Did your parents live in Oregon that adopted you? They did. Okay, so you then spent your final two years going to high school in Oregon Mm -hmm. at... And living in their house did you get your own room like did you get we did the pictures like what was that like it to was like great. finally have your own space honestly I, it was crazy because even before foster care i had never had like a normal upbringing and not even besides like money and stuff i i had never like been able to just experience like going out with your family to do fun trips or like even like a road trip or something and like it was like wow this is what people get like a regular family right a, a normal family is what my sister we say which mm-hmm. is like weird to think also like disclaimer my mom had twins when she was 18 years old mm-hmm. so you have to like understand i do have a lot of like compassion to how hard her situation was 
worth a man 20 years older, by the way. So wow. I, I can't imagine, you know, having twins at 18 and all the stuff she had to go through. I don't agree with, you know, everything that happened. I don't think she was a good mom, but I can't imagine how hard that must be. It's amazing so, how much empathy and grace you have for these other parties in this story. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you have that same amount of empathy and grace for yourself because you've gone through hell. Get these married. Yeah. Okay, so you move in with this family. Life starts to be good. You go on trips. How? What is that process of it? Of like you're adopted, so it's like all of a sudden you're these people's kids. They're your parents. Like, at what point did you start actually seeing them as your mom and dad? Or like, how did that process mentally think, go for you as a sixteen-year-old? I think because I got adopted so like old, I don't consider it like you know a normal mom and dad. But kind of like an extension because because I feel like there's a sort a, a sense of comfort you have when you have known like your mom your entire life. Does that make sense? And so yeah. for me, when you meet someone and you're 16, I don't think it's the type of relationship where I felt comfortable, you know, like saying how I feel, fighting with them, you know, arguing because it's like they haven't known you that long. Right. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is even when I see my my biological mom occasionally, as much resentment as I have towards her sometimes, I feel like this deep level of comfort that you can only yeah, feel yeah. with someone that's known you your entire life. Like, yeah. it's, it's weird to explain, but... But what do you feel towards your adopted mother? My adoptive mother? So what I can say about them is I always wanted parents that I looked up to and that I was proud of. And I can definitely say that for them. They, you know, they made an amazing life for themselves. They're amazing parents, they had great careers. And I just always wanted, you know, like parents where I could be like, this is my mom, this is my dad, you know, and feel like that sense of like pride. And I definitely feel that with them. And I think they feel that with us also. So I was going to say, do you like finally feel the reciprocal of, of them being proud that you're their kids? Yeah, I think they definitely do. I think I think it, uh, it was really hard for them to understand where we were coming from when we first moved in with them. Because we, like I said, we definitely had like, our obstacles. It also sounds like they're in a, they were in a different socioeconomic status than mm -hmm. you guys were when you were in foster care. Well, I guess yeah. the doctor, doctors can be rich. It's literally how I grew up. We like for Christmas we would get like you would fill out a form and people would you know it's like a donation thing. I don't know how mm -hmm. that works. So anything wow. would be above. Like I mean, imagine I was growing up in a family of four kids and you know my parents were working, so anything would be like above that financially. So you're adopted at 16, you have two years as a child legally, and then you turn 18. There's a world where you could have just excommunicated these people who adopted you, right? Mm -hmm. Do you still have a relationship with them? I do right now since I decided to move to New York when I was 18. And mm -hmm. so I'm, I did that all on my own. Like I didn't know anyone here, but they actually moved to Wisconsin now. So I, of course I go home and visit them. But okay. it was just, it was so quick, right? It was two years. And then I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just on my own, so. Wow. And what about your sister? Uh, my sister, she's actually 18 right now, and she moved out too. She's in Oregon, so she doesn't even live with them. Wow, but she <laughs> spent the last few years with them? She did. Like, I think she was really fortunate because she only other had to go to, like, one high school. And yeah. so, I, but also I can imagine, you know, she was much younger than me. So I think it's such a different experience. For both of us. I'm shocked that she moved back to Oregon. So my sister had a, mar a much harder time than I did. Not to say that I had it easy, 
but just how she processes things. She's like a really emotional person. And I think it impacted her like so much, unfortunately. So also the first foster home she was at, they they would let her smoke weed and she was like, what, 12 years old? And that kind of caused like a, a lot of issues down the line to where my younger sister thought like, oh, I'm an adult, you know? Yeah, because she had these these people letting her do whatever she wanted at 11 years old. You turn eight, you're 20 right now, right? I'm 21. Since last month. Yeah. Okay, so you moved to New York three years ago? It's almost been two years now. When did you, when did your biological mom come back into your life? I think somewhere between when we got adopted, she just kind of reappeared. And I think we would have had the option to live with her again, but none of us wanted that. She couldn't handle us financially, you know, mentally. Oh, you were gonna tell us about the court date. Yeah, so that was before I got adopted, basically both my biological parents had to come and give up their rights. And- Were you there? I was there. I was literally in court. I had to go to court. You had to watch both of your biological parents give up their rights to Yeah. You. Oh my God. That's heartbreaking. I actually had to go to court um, a few different times. I, I don't remember why. There's just so much that goes into it when you're in foster care. And, your caseworkers and you have to meet with people and therapists and it's just very uncomfortable. Was that your first time seeing your biological father in like forever? In forever. I don't even remember the last time. But are my, you in touch with him now? Yeah. I'm sorry. not. He he's much older than my mom. And I actually have three half siblings that I <laughs> they're older that I didn't really grow up with. So he has six kids in total and he didn't really wow. take care of any of them. And I don't really know what his issue is, but it was just really frustrating because he showed up to court and he was like, these are my girls, these are my daughters. And we're like, mm -hmm. like, you're not my father. I don't feel any like sadness towards him or anything. I felt completely indifferent with him, honestly. So Weird. when you said that your mom, you know, popped back up at this point, you, how does she pop up if you guys are adopted and living with another family? Honestly, I don't even know. She literally just came back from California and my understanding was that she she chose to leave. I thought, you know, something to do with drugs and she was with her boyfriend. But only a few years later did I find out what actually happened. Which was what? So she explained it to me is that her boyfriend actually took her away. Apparently she says, he's a very bad guy, by the way. He's murdered people. He, I think he's still in prison right now. I'm not really sure. And I won't really go into how bad he is because it's not really for me to say. But, yeah. you know, this is when I was in eighth grade that I met him and he's the one that got my mom addicted again. He stole her away to California. She says he wanted to take us also, but that she didn't want him to. And so she just left. And also it gets worse because the first house that my little sister was at, my the woman was friends with the my mom's boyfriend, right? They knew each other and that's how they got introduced. And so my mom said the entire time that she was with him, she was terrified that she was gonna do something to my sister. That's how he was able to control her. And my mom didn't feel comfortable trying to like leave until my sister was not with them anymore. Wow. I know. So it started to make a lot more sense after my mom told me that stuff. Cause for so long, I did not you understand what was mom. happening. Yeah, I was very confused. Um, yeah, that's, that is a different narrative than when yeah in the beginning of the story when we didn't know so your mom pops back up what's your relationship with her now like wh how is she doing so she's actually totally fine she's remarried she's i think sober. she 
She's sober. She actually works for a nonprofit towards a lot of issues that impacted her. Of course, like I said, I didn't go to therapy, so I still have like a lot of feelings that come up when I see her. And it's really stressful for my siblings and me to all be together just because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, she texts me. I haven't, I haven't been answering because I feel like to talk to her, I need to be in the right headspace. So if things are going good, I'm like, I, I can't handle that right now. But she's better. She's fine. I just felt like when I saw her, you know, this past summer, mm-hmm. I don't really see her as a mom. Because when you don't see someone for over a year, I, like I said, I was 14. It's so weird to see them again. And also, she's quite young. Like, she's in her 30s, right? And so, like, I just don't feel like she's a mom. But like I said, I just feel like that sense of comfort because she's known me forever. But I also think she's mentally really immature. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know how our relationship will look in the future because she's made a lot of life choices I would never make. So, yeah. You know, you said you don't text your mom when things are good. When you're having a hard day or when things are good, who do you call? Do you call your adopted mother or... No, actually, I feel like we talk occasionally and I know they're always there for me, but I feel like I choose to handle everything either um, on my own or, you know, with I have a boyfriend, but I would say like the motherly figure that I do have is Mm -hmm. when all this started happening, I actually, I knew this guy from church. We ended up dating, but it was really impossible because I kept moving, right? Mm-hmm. And his mom had known me. She knew my mom also. She knew me since I was, you know, 12. And she knew what was going on. And she kind of became like a motherly figure. She actually considered adopting me and my sister at one point. But it, it, was, it was too complicated. I even called her today. But, like, she just loves me like a daughter. She's known me since I was a kid. Yeah. So I was fortunate so you, for that. You're at a point where you have a few different motherly figures. But I have just a lot. in different ways. <laughs> I know, yeah. I have a lot of parents. Technically, I have three dads. But yet you're so independent and also kind of see no one as your parent except for yourself. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I I would, I don't know how you would see it any other way. I mean, you you were the only person that you could rely on being there at the end of the day. Yeah. Until the very end. And then it's like your brain's pretty much formed. It's just crazy to think back now, now that I've done so much, you know, I'm almost almost done with college. I moved to New York on my own and it's just... How did you financially support yourself? So I, I've been working since I was 16, actually. And so I started saving then, even like when I was adopted, that's when I started working, right? Uh, mm-hmm. My family, they got me a car, which is why, why wow. that's why I say I'm fortunate because if I had ended up moving out on my own with, you know, no family, Mm-hmm. It's it's so impossible to support yourself, mm-hmm. um, like college-wise. Anyways, so they got me a car, and then I decided I was going to move to New York. So I sold my car. I used my savings and the car money to move to New York. And wow. literally, I've just made it from there. Like, I don't receive any financial support. The one thing I will say is that I get free college because I was in foster care for mm-hmm. over two years past the age of 14. My sister doesn't wow. know. Why? Mm-hmm. Oh, because she wasn't because, over 14. Yeah, you, you have to... Su- it's, such, it's such a weird system, but you literally have to be 14 in foster care for about two years. And I just barely hit that mark. And so I get free college. That's the best part of this entire situation. I'm going to be, a, you know, a first-generation uh, college student as well. My- what do you want to do? What degree are you getting? So right now I'm studying marketing, but I'm a very passionate uh, musician. And I really like anything creative. I'm a songwriter, so I'll humbly... I'm going to put out some music in the next few months. 
Yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah and you're it, in the right place. I guess that's also another way that I coped with everything. Literally music. music. <laughs> Literally yeah. music. That That's my lifesaver, so that explains it. Do you have anything to say to listeners who are considering becoming foster parents or adopting like if you could talk to the other side i think people should go into it without the impression that it's going to be easy first of all i think a lot of people think if you adopt a child you can like fix them or whatever but like i said it took many years for me to even get into like a position where i felt comfortable or like safe to talk to my parents openly so i just think it's really difficult and that anyone that does choose to adopt has a lot of love Mm -hmm. there's so many kids out there that need families i don't know going back to this twin brother for a second yeah that was a big thing people were asking about again no one thought it was a boy Um, (laughs) does that just feel like you two went on completely different paths literally completely parallel paths and it's very sad actually because it's really sad because even growing up, I I was like the healthy one. And I feel like, you know, a lot of twins are like best friends. And unfortunately, I didn't have that. I felt like such a heavy level of guilt because I was doing good. And you know what I mean? I was going to college and I moved here and my twin was literally homeless. But Is a he large- still homeless? I think so. I think he, my mom gave him the option to live with him a few different times. I, no, he's an adult, right? So... I'm not really sure. He's actually really sick right now. That's a whole nother podcast. Like basically he thinks he was like a different person. He thinks he's not my twin. I had another brother. It's like a whole thing. So it was really traumatic. Yeah, it's like a lot. I would say like the saddest part is I was really close to my younger brother who's 14 now. And I think it had to be so horrible for him to lose his mom, all his siblings. And then it was just him and my dad. Like... And so Are you I really still in contact with him. I am. Yeah, they're still my family. It's just I feel like that's one of my like saddest parts is that I didn't get to grow up with him. You know, it just affected him in a lot of ways also. And so now that I'm older, I just feel like we're we were all affected in a lot of ways from what happened, and it's really sad to see. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Is your mom more in his life now? Yeah, I think he's actually with her right now. Wow. But. It was just really nasty, this divorce, because every time I see, you know, my stepdad, it's just talking bad stuff about her. When we see her, they they, don't, they literally hate each other. And the divorce was an entirely messy thing. Like, I've had to call the cops. Literally, I had to call the cops for my mom. Well, thank you for telling this story. Is there anything else you want to add? No, it just it feels good to get it out. Because I I'm feel really like... I'm glad you got it out. It just, like... I guess the last thing I would say is it just sucks, because growing up, so many people judge you through circumstances that you have no control of. Like, I remember I was told, oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's like a slap in the face. But even in, like, high school, it was, like, really difficult because you do these, um, these like, warm-ups, and it's like, oh, how old is your parents? Like, what do your parents do? And in my head, I'm like, which parents? Like, where am I from? Like, am I supposed to be talking about, like, my when I was younger? Like, did I have money growing up? And, like... You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never. Like, those are things that as a is a privilege. I never even realized was a privilege. It's literally Truly. an identity crisis. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, the last question that I ask on every podcast is, where is your favorite restaurant and what is your go-to meal there? 
Oh my gosh. I love sushi. So heck, heck here what's in... your favorite sushi spot? Oh gosh, I think here in New York, it's probably Sugarfish, which I'm sure everyone okay. knows about. What's your what's your go-to at Sugarfish? What's your order? Just get the Nazawa Trust Me. So it's like this whole amakase thing. And it's just amazing. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.